Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who made the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Am not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. He said, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. Okay, I'm sorry, I thought I turned two pages. Verse 14, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and I will teach you what ye shall do. He shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be even and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. We'll conclude reading at that point. Father, as we look now at your word, use it to bless our hearts and bring an understanding to our minds of our relationship to you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Have any of you ever played a fiddle? Well, we have one. First fiddle or second fiddle? Just fiddle. There wasn't no first or second, huh? (laughs) She is good? Patty, she says you're good. You do play a fiddle? I think next Sunday evening we have a uh, spot up here for fiddle players. Can you do that? You think about it, see if you can play for us. Can anybody else play any instruments? Geneva, what can you play? There seems to be differences of opinion as to who can play what. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I can't even play the radio, let alone anything else. You can play a trumpet? Well, for goodness sakes. Bob, what can you play? <laughs> well, I tried it once, but I gave up. I found out that I couldn't do it. Uh... But you know, in in orchestras, there are positions for those who, as I understand it, have the position of the first one in that section, like first fiddle. 
And then there's the second fiddle position, and I don't know what else, but some things of that nature. And uh, there's a good bit of jealousy amongst uh, people in orchestras, as I understand it, since I've never been in one, I don't know this for a fact. Uh, everybody trying to be first fiddle. Especially in what section? Trumpet section. You want to be first trumpet. Okay. Uh, that's, I suppose that's human nature, to want to be the one in that, in that chair, in that position, to play first fiddle. But it's from that type of thing that we, we have the a little phrase, uh, second fiddle. Meaning that you really aren't in first place, you're, you're somewhat a support individual. Now this happens all the time in life. Uh, every once in a while, we'll find a group of people, and everybody wants to be the boss. Or everybody wants to be the supervisor. Uh, I'm sure that happens in, uh, in coaching. Everybody wants to be the head coach. You know, you've got line coaches and end coaches and, and quarterback coaches, all kinds of coaches, and particularly in uh, uh, pro teams. But uh, there is an aspiration on the part of all of those in, quote, lesser positions that they would like someday to be the, uh, the, the head coach. If a person is a vice president, of a company, he's, he, he wants to be the president. He's not as satisfied with being vice president. And you know that this season carries over into the church. In churches that have a large staff of pastors and various people, there is a position called the senior pastor. And the youth pastor and the music minister and uh, various other ministers and pastors they have on their staff seemingly all have a jealous desire to be the guy who stands in the pulpit all the time, the senior pastor. And, and it takes place in, in the congregation as well that people want to, to have that position that's out front. Nobody seems to want to play the second fiddle. It's a case of, uh, it's my ball, if I don't pitch, I don't play, and I'll take my ball and go home. Remember how that was on the ball team? Uh, I can remember that a few times. Well, we have a situation that could have developed like that here in our scripture, dealing with Moses and his brother Aaron, for Moses was the guy out front. He was the senior pastor. He was the president of the company. He was the, the boss, the supervisor, the head coach, whatever. He was that individual, and his brother Aaron played second fiddle. And he did all about all the dirty work. Uh, the guy who did the work, and somebody else got the glory for it. But in Aaron's case, we don't find that there was any jealousies or any desires on his part particularly to be the, the first fiddle. You remember that story of Moses, how that the Hebrew people were growing in numbers to the millions now in Egypt, and the Egyptians were beginning to be afraid of the great numbers of the Hebrews, and for fear that there might a war come along and the Hebrew people would join with the enemy, 
they decided they had to limit the number of Hebrew people. And so the orders were given that now that all the boy babies in the, amongst the tribes of the Hebrew people was to be destroyed at birth. Now Aaron was already born. He was three years old. So it didn't affect him, but it affected his brother Moses that came along in due time. And his mother had to hide him for a while. And when she couldn't hide him any longer to save his life, she put him in a little basket and set him afloat on the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter found the basket and having some maternal instincts about her that women seem to have, took him and uh, raised him as her own. And uh, Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh and was actually groomed to become the Pharaoh of Egypt. He didn't grow up amongst the Hebrew people beyond about three years of age. But you remember that one day he came out to see how his native people were doing and found an Egyptian that was beating a Hebrew. And he became angry and killed the Egyptian, buried him in the ground, and then he had to run for his life. And he went into the desert. He was out there for 40 years. When the time of the scripture that we now have uh, came into, into being and God began to look for somebody who could lead these Hebrew people out of their captivity back to their native land. It would seem logical that Aaron would be the choice of that leader. He had a good education. He grew up amongst the Hebrew people. He knew them well. He was the most likely individual to, to, to uh, take on this job. Tremendous potential. I don't know if it happened when you went to high school, but when I went to high school, we always voted on those most likely to succeed. Uh, did any of you do that in your high school classes? All right, I see some of you said you did. Do you know whether or not those voted most likely to succeed actually did? I, I don't, I've never gone back to find out. I don't remember who it was, except I know it wasn't me. Uh, they didn't vote me most likely to succeed. And probably a wise the reason that they didn't. But uh, someday when uh, I get around to it, I'm going to look see who that was and see if I can find out what actually happened to them if we were wise in our choice in that particular incident. But Aaron would have been selected for this purpose because he had all of the advantages. Even his name lended support to the fact that he ought to be the leader of the people to bring them out of Egypt. His name meant rich or fluent or enlightened. Whereas Moses' name, all it meant was that he was drawn out of the water. That's all it meant. One drawn out. And it didn't have much significance. But Aaron had some significance. He was the eldest son in the family, being three years older, if I've already mentioned, than, than Moses himself. He was expected to be a leader. One of the things that we expect out of the firstborn is that they are expected to do more and be better than the rest of the kids. And mom and dad always says, now you're the oldest. You, we expect you to do it right and to be a model to, to, so that your uh, younger brothers and younger sisters will follow your pattern. 
Did any of you have that laid on you? I had that laid on me, being the oldest, expected to, to sort of be the pattern and the guide. Well, Aaron was expected to do all of this just because of his position of birth. And so he had this special favor and he was pushed out into the limelight. He became the religious leader of his family as a result of his position. Uh, not only that, but Aaron had a complete full family identification. Moses was taken away from home when he's three years old. He went to live in the palace of the Pharaoh and he lived there until he was 40. 37 years of Egyptian influence. Moses didn't know anything about the Hebrew people, at least little. He knew that they were his people. He perhaps knew something about who his mother and father were and some of his family, but for the most part, he was Egyptian by training. The only real influence that he had from the Hebrew side was what his mother gave him in those first three years. We use that oftentimes to talk about the importance of early training of our children. For three years of training was all he got. But when he was 40 years old, he chose to be identified with his people rather than the beauties and the glories and the riches that he would have received had he remained in the house of Pharaoh. So uh, Aaron was was certainly uh, an ideal candidate. He was talented. He was a public speaker. Moses couldn't even talk straight. Uh, there was supposition that he had uh, something wrong with his speech, an impediment of some sort. And he confessed that he could not speak well. And Aaron had all of these qualities. But when it came time to make a selection, God did a strange thing. He goes out to the desert and finds a fellow who had run away from Egypt 40 years late, earlier. He had been in Egypt 40 years. He was in the wilderness for 40 years, in the desert 40 years, and then, and then he leads his people for another 40 years. Moses was 80 years old when he assumed the task that God gave him. But God goes out of the desert and finds this 40-year-old or 80-year-old man. Causes a bush to burn that would get his attention and the bush was not consumed. And here he finds a murderer out of touch with the Hebrew people for 40 years and says to Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and lead my people out of there. Well, what a strange choice to make. God surely finds his people in the strangest places. But he found one. And what did Moses start doing but making excuses as to why he couldn't do it? All kinds of excuses. He said, I can't speak. I'm not a public speaker. I hear that lots and lots of times from people that if, if you know, if we're asked somebody to lead a devotional or to get up front, and somebody will say, well, I just can't get in front of a group of people. And maybe that is true. But Moses offered that same excuse. I can't do it. I can't do that. 
And Moses finally got God angry. And there in the 14th verse that we read, God's anger was kindled against Moses. It's pretty dangerous to get God angry. Moses was in a very dangerous situation. God had reached almost a point of exasperation with Moses. He had selected him and asked him to do something, and Moses kept saying, I can't do it. And then God revealed to Moses that his brother Aaron was on his way into the desert to meet him. And Aaron certainly could speak. And he said, I will tell you what needs to be said. You tell Aaron and he'll do the speaking. Now I say all of this to simply say that Aaron became the second fiddle player. The success of Moses was contingent upon the support that Aaron gave him. Moses would have been a failure in and of himself. But God recognized the weaknesses of Moses even before Moses himself knew it. God knew that Moses was not a public speaker. He recognized his weaknesses and he made allowances for that and he sent someone as his support. Someone to play the second fiddle. To be the one behind the scenes. Or the one who would make the statements that needed to be made. But it was Moses who was to lead the Hebrew people out. But it took the, the support of Aaron, most particularly for Moses to do what God had sent him to do. Now Aaron was not all good. He had his weak points. You remember on one occasion that God took Moses up into the mountain to give him the Ten Commandments. And while he was up there, the people began to grumble and complain about all their hardships and asked Aaron to, first of all, take them back to Egypt, and then he asked them to, to make them a god that they might be able to worship. And Aaron yielded to the pressure of the group and had them bring all of their gold together. He melted it down and he fashioned a calf. The reason he fashioned a calf was that this was the god that the Egyptians worshipped. They had a golden calf. And the, and the Hebrew people were remembering that the god of the Egyptians maybe is the god they ought to be worshipping because their god seemed to have left them out here in the middle of nowhere without a leader. Their leader had gone off into a mountain and we don't know. Maybe he's never going to come back. He must be dead. He's been gone a long time. Aaron, give us something to worship. And Aaron yielded. Here comes the weakness of Aaron, why he could not be the leader and could only be the support individual in that he didn't have the fortitude to stand in the face of that crowd and say, no, I won't. But there were qualities about him that made him good that he could support Moses. When Moses came back down out of the mountain, there was plenty of furor. 
Moses became so angry at what he saw his brother do and what the Hebrew people did that he broke the Ten Commandments, threw them down on the ground and shattered them, and God had to take him back up on the mountain and give him another set. Moses was not going to allow this three million or so rabble-rousers who needed to be molded into a people of God to destroy the purpose that God had established. That makes a leader. But we're looking at Aaron, the support person, who failed in this case and obviously could not be the one that was leading this congregation. But it was necessary for him to do the things that needed to be done in order that Moses could actually lead the people. He supported. He did what he was asked to do. When God said, Moses, you tell Pharaoh. Moses said, Aaron, you tell Pharaoh. And Aaron told Pharaoh in a good Egyptian language that Pharaoh could understand and it was very clear because here was a, a person who would speak up for and support what he was told to do. After they crossed the Red Sea and got out into the desert, all of these Hebrew people on their way to the promised land, they were in a battle against the Amalekites. The thing that happened on that particular battle was that Moses stood on a high spot where all the people in battle could see him and he held up his hands. That gave the army support and encouragement that their leader was holding his hands up to God in their behalf. But how many hours can you hold your hands up in the air? And after a while Moses began to get tired and his hands began to come down. And when the people looked up and saw Aaron weakening, they are Moses weakening, they began to weaken. And they began to lose the battle. And then Moses would get his hands finally back up and they would start winning again. And then weariness set in and his hands began to come down and they began to lose. What happened? Aaron and another man in the name of Hur each got on the, each side of Moses and held his hands in the air. They supported Moses as he reached his hands toward God and gave the army the support and the encouragement they, that they needed to know that their leader was standing with his hands high and he was supported by the people who were holding him up. Aaron was one of those who lifted up the arms of the leader in order that the people could receive encouragement on the battlefield. That's the support position of Aaron, of anybody who plays second fiddle, is to, to do that type of thing. Well, Aaron could have said, well, look at that. My brother's getting all the glory. He gets to stand out there and i got to stand here and hold his arms up. And been bitter. But he wasn't. He was pleased and happy that, that he could play this very important position. Most of us find ourselves in that chair. The second fiddle. The ones who are behind someone else and support someone else. 
This is one of the, the tremendous things about being a pastor, I suppose, uh, that, that becomes a real blessing. You see, preachers most times are the ones out front, up front, where everybody sees and, and we're always on the platform a little bit higher and all of this stuff. And everybody else is sitting back in a lower position. There is no difference in the value placed upon the one in the pulpit as opposed to the one in the pew by God. Each plays his position. And the encouragement that, that I have had over the many years that I've been preaching is the encouragement that comes from the people who sit in the pew and really do hold up uh, my hands, my arms, on many, many occasions and say words of encouragement as pastor. The same thing that we need to do with our Sunday school teachers as we support them and lift them up and encourage them and our musicians and other people in the church who assume positions of leadership is to lift up and to support. When we have that kind of second fiddle player, we have a strong church. A strong church. But those people who hang on and pull down are going to cause the battles to be lost. It's those who push up and give the support under the arms that causes the battles to be won. So it is that as we play our positions of second fiddle, our assignment is not to yell like Moses yelled, I can't, I can't, I can't. But to take that which we have been assigned and play our position, whatever it might be. Not everybody is the quarterback on the football team. There have to be the ends and the tackles and the guards, and the backfield and so on. I was a part of a team one time when everybody wanted to be quarterback. And you know you can't put a team on the field with nine quarterbacks, it won't work. Somebody, only one person can throw the ball and call the plays. The rest have to be the support individuals who run the interference, who do the blocking and the tackling in order that the guy who is the star uh, or whatever he might be can carry the ball toward that goal line. It's a teamwork approach. And God certainly knew Aaron. The qualities that he had was not to be the one out front leading, but to be the one who was giving the support and the backup in order that Moses could succeed at the job that he had been assigned. This is the way the church needs to work, and all of us need to work with each other, and that is as we assume positions of leadership in various organizations in our church, or the church in general, that the rest of us be the ones who lift up the arms and give the support, and we'll see God's glory shining down on the battlefield. And there the war will be won, because there were plenty of second fiddle players lifting up the arms so that God could get the glory. Let us pray.
Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.